0: Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de
1: Blasio. Thank you, Brian, as always, for welcoming me in. The Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country, the world, the universe, the galaxy, and have them tell us about the greatest games they were a part of as a coach. As always, we don't put limits on what they want to talk about. It could be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a loss, a win, a championship game, a CYO basketball game, whatever they want to talk about. Just what they consider to be their greatest game.
0: And today we have a coach from the New Jersey Galaxy. Let's welcome in our our guest for today, Coach Adam Sidro, who just finished his second season at Midland Park High School in Midland Park, New Jersey. Welcome in, Coach.
2: How are you guys? Hi, Brian. Hi, Chris. We're doing Good well. to be here.
0: Fantastic. We appreciate you coming in and answering some questions and talking some hoops with us. And uh, we're, we're excited to get to know you a little bit more. I'm excited to get to lo- know you a little bit more. I know Chris knows you a little bit better than I do. It'll be
2: fun. Glad to be here. Yeah. All
1: right, Adam, why don't you uh, just briefly take us through your resume as a coach, where you've coached, uh, what maybe you've accomplished, and all that? Just kind of all right. take us through there.
2: Sure. So uh I, my first coaching job was uh 2000. Um after I graduated college, I was at Don Bosco Prep up in Ramsey um for 7 seasons. So 2000 actually I'm sorry uh 2000 through 2006. So what is that 6 6 years um at Don Bosco as the assistant coach. Um after that I took over uh Dumont High School as the head coach at Dumont High School, which is a group 2 Um, high school in Bergen County I was there for seven seasons um, as the head coach there Uh, had two boys come along I then took the assistant coach job for three years at Westwood High School Um, and now I'm in my second year as head coach of Midland Park so I guess I've been uh, it's my 20th season um, in the high school you know coach or assistant coach head coach or assistant coach
1: and uh, he apparently follows the de Blasio family around because Keith de Blasio lives in Midland Park. That's right. With his wife and two daughters. He teaches at Westwood High School. That's right. And my sister lives in Dumont, New Jersey.
2: <laughs> there you go. Or they following me around. I think I was there prior. When did she move into nah, Dumont? You were,
1: you, you were there before she moved into Dumont.
2: And... I didn't mention this. I'm from Dumont, so I graduated from Dumont High School. So I I, I went back and coached um, my alma mater. Oh,
1: okay.
2: I'm a a Dumont graduate, so uh, it was fun to go back and be the head coach.
1: I had a friend that wouldn't uh, look at houses in Dumont simply because he didn't want his kids to grow up at a high school where the colors were brown and orange. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Listen, I'd send my kids to Pasquette Hills any day of the
1: week. <laughs> well, that's a different, that's a, that's a different brown. Same colors, same colors. All right. So I just finished
2: up. Yeah. I just finished up my 20th season uh, coaching high school basketball.
0: That's, that's fantastic. You've, you've had uh, uh, quite a journey there. I, I tell you what, starting out of Don Bosco as an assistant, that had to be, it had, had to be quite a journey, and then and being in it for 20 years, we'll, we'll learn more about it. Uh, as we go along here. So Chris, you've got some, uh, you want to start with some Q and A here?
1: Yeah, we'll start with a question. Uh, have you ever broken a whiteboard or a clipboard during a game or at halftime?
2: Oh, I mean, plenty. I always carry around uh, two to three in my, in my backpack. Uh, um, I've, I've calmed down tremendously. Um, you know, I'm in my 40s now. I can't act like I was in my mid-20s anymore. So, But, yes, absolutely. During, is, there a, during, is there a good
1: story uh, of breaking one?
2: No, like my, it it might have been uh, even before I got to write on it. As the kids were walking over, I made a slap uh, broken one over my knee, um, (laughs) which was uh, problematic drawing up a play going into our uh, last possession. But uh, but again, I carry around two or three in my backpack, so I just pulled one out and uh, I was good to go. Frustration got the best of me.
0: I was going. I'm glad you told me that. Because I was. I was going to ask you the form if it was like a Bo Jackson breaking it over the knee or like just a clear like almost Bobby Knight chair throw across the gym type thing. I mean, it's the the possibilities really are endless with a with a whiteboard.
2: They are. Yeah. It was over the knee. It was. It was <laughs> over the knee. Two hands on either side, clear over the knee. Yeah.
1: Well, I like. I like that he has extra. Brian, as we know, a great man that we used to work with would always say, "It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it."
0: That's right. That's right. Words of wisdom there. <laughs> early nester. Was that an early nester thing or is that a, more of a Billy Old thing? It's
1: adopted by Billy Old. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, good deal. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's stay in that same vein here, coach. So your first technical foul as a coach, do you remember your first technical foul? And do you have a story about that one?
2: No, I mean, I don't, I don't pick up many of them. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say again, um, if you just want to talk about head coaching, uh, so what nine years as a head coach so far, I think I've only gotten two or three oh, in my, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I am pretty calm on the sideline. Um, I feel like my players, you know, can pick up my frustration. So I've learned to, to temper that a little bit. So I'm pretty calm. I mean, again, I got one this year, actually. Um, I didn't say anything at all. I, I it was more of a look. It was more of a look than I said. And I've never... Uh, again, I don't get many of them, but I was very surprised um, for looking at him uh, for a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, intimidation, I was told. So wow. uh, I'll be I'll be sure to I'll be sure not to do that again in the future. Yeah. But but yeah, no, I I don't have a good story. I apologize. Oh no, that's all good. The, the,
0: I, the, intimidation, the intimidation story, I think. That's
2: excellent.
0: Yeah, yeah, I want to look that I, up in a rule I book.
2: Stared huh? too long. It was the way I was looking at him, is what he said.
1: <laughs> What I want to know is, and it's the, like my wife, obviously, will not be on the podcast when we're done recording. I want to know who the official was. Oh, that's you don't do not have to say his name publicly. I give
2: you three guesses, and uh, and I'm sure you'll get it.
1: I could probably, <laughs> yeah, I could probably get in the realm. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> was there a belief you had when you went in to be a head coach for the first time that you had a change or adjust or something that you really thought you were going to do and you? Became a head coach, we're like, oh, God, I can't do that. I have to do this a little bit differently.
2: Absolutely. Um, so think about this. So I, I spent my first seven seasons at Don Bosco Prep, where we probably sent two to three Division One players every year. So obviously, right, from the offseason workouts and programs, the dedication they showed to uh, the practice drills and things they did in practice. And then the philosophies, right, the defensive philosophy, the offensive philosophy, and the plays they ran. So once I took over Dumont, now Dumont Dumont um, was a program that, um, again, I graduated from and didn't have much success um, in recent years before I took over. They won two games in two seasons. They went 0-21 one season and they went 2-19 the two seasons prior to me t- taking over. So I'm coming from this Bosco program. I'm like, all right. I got this, no problem. I've been around the best I've I've been watching. I've been, you know, taking in everything. Needless to say, you know, you you still need some talent to run those plays that I was so (laughs) accustomed to running for seven years. So uh, it wasn't a a seamless uh, transition from a, you know, a Don Bosco prep talent. uh, uh, You know, every player on the court, that's all they do. right? It's the only sport they play um top of their game to a division I'm sorry a group two program struggling to dribble a ball up half court without turning it over right so so things definitely had to you know I had to figure things out on the fly uh, absolutely my first year
0: I'll tell you what I can I can really relate to that My, my first job out of out of college as an undergrad um I've come off being a student manager at a at university of South Carolina, high division one program and went to coach private school girls in South Carolina. And as I've shared on this podcast before, it felt like I had all the answers, all the X's and O's, we're going to run this play and run this play. And it was, I mean, and these girls tried their tails off. They were fantastic. I love them to dearly and they couldn't do the things that high level division one male athletes could do shocker, you know, and just, uh, to be able to to have that learning curve uh, was, was, was quite
2: interesting too. So,
0: um, so you, you landed at Don Bosco in 2000. We well, forget well, how
2: important it is to have a point guard. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying you take for granted, you know, a point guard who's able to handle the ball, get you into an offense and just think, you know, you can run whatever play, whatever genius X's and O's <laughs> plays you have. But if you don't have a kid who can dribble and handle the ball and look up at, you know, see what's going on. Doesn't matter what you're running, right? You can't get into anything. So, yeah, yeah. I had to figure, I had to change some things up uh, pretty quickly after I noticed that the first
0: year. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's, really- uh, I, I have those group one problems. The point guard is not allowed to come out of the game in a group one uh, <laughs> basketball game. The point guard cannot get in foul trouble and cannot come out.
2: Well, at least you have a point guard. I don't even have a
1: <laughs> You have a very good shooting guard and you have a good big man.
2: Correct. I do. I do. I'm not going to complain at all. They're good kids. We'll get to that though.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's going to be my next question, coach. So you, you, you get it the Don Bosco in 2000 and been in high school for 20 years. So what, what was your thought process getting into coaching what was there a point in time before 2000 you said you know what yes i'm going to go be a high school coach this is this is and this is why i'm going to do it or what was your journey to becoming a high school coach
2: um so obviously i played all four years at dumont high school i went to um Keene state college up in new hampshire um uh i was part of the program there on the staff and um had a had a couple years of injuries so i wasn't able to play as much but um I was always, you know, loved the game. Um, my father, you know, going back, he, uh, he played for the university of Miami. He was a hurricane, um, back in the day and, uh, just grew up around the game and I loved it. Now that, you know, the plan was not to become a coach or a teacher out of high school, out, out of uh, college, but, um, working in the city, sitting behind a desk, making cold calls was not for me. Um, so, uh, I started working at a uh, de Blasio. Remember hoop zone on route four.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Mr. Danny Brown. Yeah, so Danny I, ran, I ran his facility uh, at hoop hoop zone, which was a basketball complex on route four that just opened up. Okay. Um, he got me to come in and run the day to day operations there. Um, Kevin DeVario, who is the head coach at Don Bosco prep. Uh, he's still there and he was there back in 2000. Um, came in we started talking he used to come in a lot and uh, I guess he was looking for an assistant coach and we started talking and he saw my you know my, he knew my background and got got me in and uh, I loved it um, that's when I I started taking some teaching classes and figured if I'm going to be a coach uh, that's my path that I want to take teaching coach go hand in hand and I uh, took some classes I already had a um, accounting marketing background so I didn't need a lot of math courses uh, to get my my degree my certificate in math be uh, highly qualified so uh, that take a you know maybe a year that took of just going to school and and it took off I was going I was coaching a Bosco and taking some classes and and within a year I had my certificate I was I was that was done first job actually my first teaching job was at St. Cecilia's in Anglewood do you know who coached there who was the Vince coach? Lombardi. Of state? Vince Lombardi.
1: Wow. That's right. Da- okay. Again, Adam, again, you were stalking my family. My dad graduated from St. Cecilia High School in 1965.
2: <laughs> Is that right? But he was there before you. <laughs> so I got, so yeah, so when I got, as soon as I got my um, my certificate to teach, my first job was St. Cecilia's in Anglewood for two years. Uh, as I was coaching at Bosco, I taught there, and then I got a public school job two two years. Nice. So that's the path I took. Yeah, i been doing it every since. I love it. Love coaching. Love being around the kids. Yeah. It's a good time. Well, I tell you
0: what, you're tell, telling my story again. Like I, 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 could not be cooped up behind a desk and got to be on the go and, and being able to be around sports and and for for me and my journey too around basketball was a, was a real hoot. And so, all right. So obviously, the name of the podcast here is the Greatest Game. So come to the point in time where we'd love to hear about the greatest game that you've ever been a part of. You can give us as much information as you can and we just really, why it's so special to you.
2: So give us some thought. I mean, there's been a quite a few games that have, you know, that I've been a part of. Um, unfortunately being a head coach at, uh, Dumont for seven years. I don't have like a classic game. I mean, again, just thinking about, you know, uh, their struggles before I got there. Um, it was fun, uh, a, a great game. My third year into Dumont, we made it. And the blows, I don't remember this. This was 08 uh, 09, 2008. Remember the Malwa team from 08 09 that almost I, beat or should have beat Bosco? Or oh, were you here that or not? No,
1: I was still living in South Carolina. I was actually coaching with Brian at Ridgeview High School. So it was 2008.
2: 2008 2009 season, Mawa um, had a great team. I think they made it to the semifinals. I remember watching the game, the semifinals, and it was being played at Ramapo College. They were playing Bosco in the semifinals. They were up all game. I don't think they ever trailed. It might have been a one point game back and forth, <laughs> but um, I mean Mawa was legit that year. And this was my third year at Dumont. Um, anyway we they were like the two seed we were the 15 seed in the states and we brought them to overtime in the states um ended up losing in overtime by three but um but that was again there were some good games as a head coach but the most um like the bet you're talking about best games i've ever been a part of de blasio you were there westwood newton i think you were at that game 2017 three years ago Mm -hmm. uh we made it to the uh, group two section final out in Newton, New Jersey, which is an hour and a half, who knows where, from where we live, out west a little bit. And um, I mean, they hit a, uh, a half court, half court three point shot to tie the game to get it to overtime. And then we were down to, with five seconds left, and one of our players went left and made a running bank shot off the glass to send it to double overtime. Um, we ended up losing in double overtime, which was a heartbreaking. I mean, it's the hardest game I've ever I've ever been a part of. Um, but also, if you look when when you look back, it was a great game. Um, but I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday. And I mean, you go to YouTube, you type in Westwood versus Newton. I mean, it's the first thing that obviously that pops up, and and it's uh, it was a great, great game, classic game. That was definitely one of one of the best games I've been a part of. So,
0: so how far into the playoffs was that? Now, yeah, I'm I'm in South Carolina, and so y'all start Brian, talking group two sectionals. Yeah, tell L- educate lower, me a little bit.
1: Lower state semifinal or okay. upper state semifinal?
0: So basically a fourth round, a fourth yeah, round it was, game. It would
1: be the upper state semifinal. Here.
0: Yeah, north, so, uh,
1: they were north. You guys were north one, right?
2: Yes, North 1, Group 2.
1: Okay. And then there's North 2, Group 2.
2: Correct. So we would have played – exactly. We would have played the winner of the – yes. So
0: deep into the playoffs, they bank mm-hmm. in a three to force overtime. Y'all hit a running layup to force double overtime and then lose in double overtime. Wow.
2: That was one of the toughest games, uh, one of the best games I've ever – and again, all these games I, I can tell you about, I've never been on the winning side of one. I, I can tell you four to five, like – heartbreaking losses. And I've never been on the other side yet. It's coming. It's uh, listen, uh, it's, it's good. Carla, it's yeah. going to come sometime, yeah. but yeah, we'll, we'll fix that.
0: Game. You're yeah. going to be on the winning side of one of these this season. We'll have you back after the season and you'll be able to tell us about it. There's yeah. no problem. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll What
1: was the feeling like going up to that game? Obviously you were an assistant with coach Santuli who we're going to, who we're going to yeah. have on the podcast uh, later on this week. Um, you know, what were you guys thinking going into that game? Did you think you could win it? Did you know you could win it?
2: No, oh, I mean, we knew it was going to be a good close game. I mean, we had a couple, you know, we had Kramer on that team who's a Division 1 football player up at Dartmouth right now. Um I mean, we had we had that, we had Palilla, we had Athletes, um Liddy, um we knew they had Athletes. We watched a lot of film obviously. Um we we felt confident that we could win the game because of our style of play. Um in the way that we can defend, we thought, and uh, again, I we had the lead, the majority of the game, five De Blasio, up five, fifteen seconds left, and we lost, up five, and on the free throw line, Palillo missed the front end of a one and one. That's right, up five, fifteen seconds left, he's on the line, and uh, somehow we lost that game, so that was a that was a killer. Another the other game I don't know what shot for time or not but um, go for it go for it and Bosco Bosco Don Bosco it was uh 2004 Bosco versus scene hall prep I don't know if you remember Brandon Costner went to NC State Brandon yes. Costner
1: yes we uh well Rose you weren't working with us then I think we played uh NC State in 05 okay huh. was that just before you came back
0: no, I would have been there.
1: I don't remember. So he was a freshman
2: that year. Brandon Costner was a freshman of 05, I believe.
1: Okay. Yeah. Who did you guys have?
2: Oh, God. I mean, we had John Oates, a 6'10 kid who went to Boston College. Um, I think that was a year before Biggs got there. Tyrell Biggs went to Pitt.
1: Went to Pitt, um, right.
2: Yeah. I think Seton Hall Prep also had a Gibb. Ashton Gibb, I think, was on that team, the Seton Hall where, Prep team.
1: Where did he go? Ashton Gibb. I know that name.
2: Ashton Gibb, I know one of them went to Pitt. Um, I want to say
1: he went to Pitt, I thought. Yeah, you
2: know, one of the Gibbs went to Pitt. One of them went to Notre Dame. But I think the last one just went to Notre Dame. Okay. There were three Gibbs, I believe. Um, but again, similar situation. I think that was, that, was a, um, that was a final, a semifinal game or a non-public final. And uh, up two, and uh, it might have been Brandon Costa that hit a three at the buzzer and we lost at the buzzer. Um, again, we were leading all game. Seaton Hall Prep, I think, was twenty-one and zero or twenty-three and one going into that game, type of game, and uh, another another heartbreaking game. But but again, a great game, right? Like when you look back, when you look back, it was a it was a, it was a great game to be a part of. But a lot of things you learn from losing.
1: Absolutely, I think you like you said. In the moment, those games are tough, but you look back and you realize all the great things that the kids did. Yep. And the
2: things you could have done that you didn't do. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you use it, like you said, you use it as a learning experience. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had had similar moments. Blas and I were talking about this the other day, but one of the greatest games this was at a JV level in South Carolina, Um, had a kid rotate over. We're down. No, we're up one late game. Kid rotates over, just gets bulldozed, takes, clearly takes a charge no call kid lays it in at the buzzer we lose the game and you know we're in the locker room kids talking after the game they're crying I'm like guys listen we we did everything you did everything that you were coached to do we didn't get the call like yeah i'm disappointed but like man it's that there's so many as, as y'all are talking about there's so many lessons to be learned from that and um and we've been fortunate in the last couple of years on, a, on the boys side to win a couple of state or three three state championships and that's great but the, the learning really is amplified and magnified after those losses.
2: It really, it really is. Absolutely. I mean, you know, everything's on YouTube these days, right? So the last, the last couple of years, you can look back and watch it and obviously huddle. We have huddle. You have huddle down there as well. Oh yeah. 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 So right. You will, you watch the game and you're like, uh, how do you not put anyone on the ball
1: like with five seconds left? How do you not put anyone on the ball? like what we Rick, Rick Pitino's been asking that for 30 years. How come he didn't put anyone on the damn yeah. ball?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Because in the moment, you're right, thinking about everything else, but putting someone on the ball after a free throw. So, yeah, you learn. It's painful in the moment, but you learn. You have a kid uh, down in uh, – so it, you're in – Columbia's in uh, – what, University of South Carolina is in Columbia, correct? That's right, yep. Isn't there a kid from Old Pan that goes yeah. there? Justin Manaya.
0: Justin Manaya. Right. He yeah, lives right
2: next to him. Yeah. He lives right next to me.
0: He has been fantastic. He says he's battled some injuries during his time here. But I tell you what, he is he's been and I'm I'm not affiliated anyway, but just watching him, he's been real the heart and soul of uh, of what we've been able to do down here. And Coach Martin thank the world of him and his staff. They do a great job. But Justin's come down here and, and really, really made his mark and just if you you come to play for Frank Martin, you, you know you're going to be able to play your tail off, and he's got to be able to play his tail off, and he does that. He's He's been, he's been phenomenal. What really year
2: strongly. is he now? He's going to be a, he just finished his sophomore or junior year?
0: I want to say he just finished his junior year, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, details right. tend to elude me, His boss could
1: tell you. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it's sophomore or junior year either, Adam. Yeah. I remember watching yeah. him play, um, you know, at Old Japan. And actually, yeah. when, when I was at Kreskill, he used to come over and play – in um, these youth tournaments that uh, uh, Mike Dodo and I ran at the Cresco Rec Center. He used to come over, and and he played AAU with a couple of our Cresco kids one year when they were like in eighth grade. And, uh, you know, the dad was obviously the GM of the Mets for a long time and pro scout, and uh, dad's a really good guy. And the, kid, the kid's a hardworking kid, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good athlete. His father is back with the, uh, the Mets in some capacity now, I think. He is. Yeah, he was with the
1: Padres. Now he's back with the Mets. Um, yeah. um, all right, Coach. we like to wrap it up here with this final question. If I asked kids that played for you, what's the one thing Coach Sidro says all the time? It could be something funny. It could be something instructional. It could. Be, what's the one thing that, you know, they, those kids are sitting around talking about, oh, remember Coach Sidro would always say blank.
2: me on the spot here de Blasio um (laughs) something I always say
0: uh while you're thinking about it I will tell you like one of the things that I constantly said was fake a pass make a pass fake and sometimes I'm saying like why why do I keep saying that just say something else you know but fake a pass make a pass make you know so anything like that you just kept just keeps coming out of your mouth it's just like
2: why does this keep coming out
0: (laughs) or something like that
2: so I appreciate you saying that because it just jogged my memory. So there's two things I always say, especially recently, it's stop dribbling, right? Stop (laughs) dribbling the basketball. For the love of God, please pass the ball. And number two, it's it's make a bounce pass. For the love of God, make a bounce pass. Stop trying to throw the ball over people's arms and hands and fake pass, throw a bounce pass, please. And stop dribbling. (laughs)
1: Stop dribbling! Is a, stop dribbling! It's a you know, great dribble. one. Kids, love, the, kids <laughs> love to dribble the air out of the ball nowadays because that's what they watch. You know. But
2: if you, but if you saw me, you know, in the last two years, like I scream that from the sideline. Scream it! Stop dribbling the basketball, please, please <laughs> stop. I right? just find someone to pass to. Give it up! Give it up! So. A lot more a lot more bad happens when you dribble a ball than good. A lot more That's bad. Right. That's right. It's
0: uh it's like uh it's the what is it, the canary in the coal mine when kids just reverse the ball a couple of times and don't dribble and they take an open layup or they get an open shot and it's kinda like, Oh man, this is this is exactly what I've been coaching you to do and man, it looks beautiful when when, when it's when it's done and then okay. usually the next time down the floor, what's gonna happen? you to start dribbling again. <laughs>
2: That's right. Dribble off their foot out of bounds. Yep. And they don't want it. right back to where we left off.
1: We we broke a press this year on four passes and got a layup. And I called the timeout immediately. <laughs> and just like was like, um, is there a reason we don't do that more Like no dribbles. <laughs> we ran the press break right, everyone cut hard, passes. And we got a layup. I was like, guys, it's not that difficult. The next time we inbound it, my point guard puts it on the floor, gets it taken away. You know, it's just yep. Yep. frustration. But fun. It's still fun. It is fun. It is fun.
0: <laughs> well, coach, we just can't can't thank you enough uh, for, for coming in and uh really appreciate you giving us some time here to tell us about your greatest game and learn a little bit more about you. Just really 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 appreciate you coming in today.
2: I have fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, again,
0: we'd like to, like to thank you for coming in and telling us about your greatest game. And for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.